Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this week's episode might be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm happy to speak with Joseph Pronishin. He's a staff writer for the National Catholic Register. Uh, he started out his career as a teacher, and still as a teacher was a writer, and that evolved into secular writing, but now he writes exclusively to promote the Catholic faith and the spread of the gospel. He recently came out with a book called The Fruits of Fatima, A Century of Signs and Wonders. And of course, during the month of May, the first apparition of Our Lady on May 13th occurred. And so I'm so happy to talk with Joseph Pronishan today about The Fruits of Fatima for his own life and maybe in the life of the Church as well. So welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you very much, Father Looney, and thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yeah, so your book is put out by Sophia Institute Press, and maybe the the first question as we think about Fatima, and actually, you know, on the show I've had a few other Fatima people. Actually, I had one of the chaplains, uh, one of the English-speaking chaplains from Fatima, Father Francisco, uh, on the show. He was here in Champion, Wisconsin at the Marian Shrine, and so I asked him if I could do a podcast with him, and so uh, we did, and uh, we did it live and in person, so I was kind of fun and he talked about being a chaplain at Fatima and what the message of Fatima was and there's another private revelation expert that I've spoken with uh, uh, Kevin Simmons who's really an expert on Fatima and uh, he shared mm -hmm. a little bit about that as well and but maybe first just to give a little background maybe some people are unfamiliar with the story of Fatima so a quick synopsis might be in store okay yes uh, <clears throat> well it, it, in uh, 1917 uh, our Blessed Mother appeared to three uh, Portuguese uh, uh, children, uh, little shepherd children. Uh, they, they were uh, Lucia and now St. Jacinta and her brother St. Uh, Francisco. Uh, and uh, uh, they were the youngest children canonized, by the way, uh, non-martyrs canonized by the Catholic Church in all these centuries. Um, and uh, our Blessed Mother appeared six times to them, um, beginning on May 13th and the 13th of every month, uh, except August. There was a little glitch there. It was a few days later they because were the children jail, were in jail. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, the uh, authorities try to prevent them uh, from people from gathering for the uh, uh, for the apparition. But uh, the Blessed Mother had simple messages for them and for the world, actually. Not. And uh, this is this is one of the uh, the most uh, um, uh, renowned of Fatima uh, of uh, Marian apparitions uh, uh, had Vatican approval, uh, and that's that's rare. The Vatican only uh, uh, has approved uh, apparitions uh, oh fifteen or less times in all these centuries. They leave it up to the local bishops, but this one uh, was was uh, had world repercussions. Uh, she told the children some basic messages, um, uh, the importance of getting back to God, repenting of sins. People were getting worse and worse. Uh, and you can imagine 1917 compared to today. So um, uh, uh, then she, she said one of the ways to bring peace, only she could bring peace, and that was through the rosary. So we were to pray a rosary every day, a daily rosary. Uh, we were um, also to um, uh, be, be uh, um, uh, devoted to the Eucharist. Uh, I could bring, I could talk about that later on that. And, and of course, she did hint uh, about the brown scapular, uh, wearing the brown scapular. But the big thing was repentance, reforming our lives, offering sacrifice for sinners, 
So they repent and uh, praying the rosary daily. And if these things, you know, were not done, uh, she predicted uh, that there would be a greater war than World War I, which was going up, uh, going on at that time. And she said there would be a, a greater war coming. And uh, uh, during the reign of Pius the Eleventh. And now, this was something that people should have figured out, because, wait a second, there is no pope called Pius XI, and how does she know what the names of any other popes coming are going to be? Uh, and, of course, during the reign of Pius XI, just toward the end of his reign, before he died, World War II broke out in Europe. Um, so she was uh, obviously um, uh, correct there. And she said it wouldn't happen if people had listened to her message and prayed the rosary daily for peace. Uh, and and repented of their sins. So obviously they didn't listen. Um, and uh, uh, we had World War II. Uh, is, people's, uh, is, is there a chance yet? Well, of course, there's always a chance, you know, if you listen to our Blessed Mother. But people basically have not um, listened to that uh, 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 as, as well as they should have. One, one of the things that's important is she asked for, for the conversion of Russia and for the Five first Saturdays, which are called, which is to uh, receive communion uh, on uh, uh, the f- consecutive five first Saturdays of each month, cons- five consecutive months, uh, confess your sins, uh, spend 15 minutes in um, uh, meditation on the mysteries of the rosary with her. So, so this is, a, a, you know, important. And, and you, very few churches have done this, and those that do, um, often you just don't get a number of people there. Uh, I know my particular parish, I want to identify where, uh, we've been trying to promote that, promote that, and you get maybe 75 people, you know. And, and our parish is, uh, has 3,000 families, um, so, so even today they're not listening. But anyway, that's that's the basic message uh, of Fedman. Oh, and I, uh, the last thing is uh, to prove uh, again that she uh, would that she, it was her, and and she was doing this. She promised a great miracle uh, on uh, her last visit, which was October thirteenth, nineteen seventeen, and it was the miracle of the sun. Uh, and just briefly, it was um, uh, where uh, people had 70,000 people had showed up at the COVID de area where she was appearing. Uh, it was uh, super pouring rain. It was uh, uh, soaking, uh, so soaked that the fields had turned, all the farm fields had turned into mud. People were sloshing through the mud there. Uh, and there were the skeptics and the believers. Uh, all of a sudden, after she appeared, the sun started to dance in the sky, change colors, grow bigger. Uh, and then it started to fall toward the earth, and people started to fall to their knees, begging for forgiveness uh, for their sins. Uh, even many, many uh, skeptics, uh, even many of those that came to scoff, scoffers, uh, converted at that spot. They thought they were going to be earth was going to be destroyed, and we were going to be burnt. They were going to be burnt up. Uh, then the sun uh, uh, retracted, went back to its original position, and when it did. Everybody's clothes were perfectly dry, and there was no mud on the ground. So, I mean, this is this is kind of a people forget that section of the miracle so often. Uh, but there was uh, there was that mir- miracle uh, of that sun. So, uh, people should have believed immediately at that point, and a lot of people did. Even the secular papers uh, reported that in a in a uh, you know in, in a non scoffing way, in a very reverential way, that miracle. 
Yeah, your book is subtitled A Century of Signs and Wonders, and that was really one of the very first signs and wonders was that miracle of the sun. Uh, as one uh, kid's movie said, the day the sun danced, and really the sun danced in the sky and uh, really showed that, yes, the mother of God has been appearing here, and this is the promised sign that she she said was going to happen on that last apparition. Now, when it comes to Fatima, lots of people are devoted to Fatima, and uh, and they're devoted to other Marian apparitions as well. Lots of people yeah. go on pilgrimage to these places. So maybe my question here is, have you been to Fatima? And what was the source of your devotion to Fatima? Was it something you grew up with in the family? Or, um, yeah, how did you come to know the Fatima story and message? Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, I, I've never been to Fatima, and, and I felt bad about that. But then I didn't when I, in researching the book, too, because uh, Sister Lucia had said, when she was asked uh, later on when she was a nun and asked, is it important to go to Fatima and Pugger? She says, no. She says, the important thing is to live the Fatima message. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whether you go or not, that, that's not the big thing. The big thing is to live the Fatima message. Yeah. And my own devotion to Fatima began, uh, it's hard to say. I guess I, I was familiar with it as a child. I probably heard of it in Catholic grammar school because, uh, because um uh, I know that uh, our our good sisters uh, were were very Marian devoted. Uh, they were an order of uh, uh, devoted to the Blessed Mother, named after her. Um, and and I know uh, I had some relatives who had Sister Lucia's book. I I was curious about it, didn't read it then, but I did hear along the way, and especially in high school. I went to a Catholic high school too. And uh, about Fatima, never really delved into it too, too much, but I was always, fascinated is the wrong word, but see, one that comes to mind right now, I, I was always drawn to it, it's probably better, uh, to Fatima, and I wanted to learn more about it someday. And I know we had a good priest who uh, began every class with a Hail Mary, and he would pray it for the conversion of Russia, and he explained uh, at that time, you know, where it came from, uh, why, because the Blessed Mother of Fatima asked that. So little by little, gradually, I and, and and then several years ago, I just start reading more and more about Fatima. Became more and more devoted to uh, uh, Fatima, and and I was always devoted to Our Lady of Rosary, um, and um, um, that's how I uh, how I kind of grew in the devotion. If you... Okay, and when we think of the devotion to Fatima, the apparition happens in Portugal. The miracle of the sun happens. But how long did it take for it to come to the United States, for really people here in America to begin to, to be devoted to Fatima, to really live out the message of Fatima? Um, probably took, uh, I can't pinpoint the exact year, but it, but it probably took a, a little while, simply because um, the apparition, believe it or not, uh, was not approved in Portugal until uh, 13 years after that, until 1930. Uh, and it was a, 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 the date was the 13th of the month, too, that the uh, Cardinal of, of Portugal approved it finally. And then what really brought it to world attention was, uh, or who brought it, was Pope Pius Twelfth, And that was when he mentioned Fatima specifically and talked about Fatima specifically in one of his uh, writings in 1940. So that's when it started to... Um, uh, that's when it started to be known worldwide, I believe, in, in around that era. Uh, and then little by little, he, he uh, and then people learned about the uh, three secrets to Blessed Mother, and they were wondering what the secrets were. And it was uh, Pius XII that released the first two secrets in, um, in 1942. Uh, he released those secrets, um, which were number one, 
uh, the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You must have devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And the second secret was um, the vision of hell that she gave the children in the July apparition, uh, showing that there was a hell and people can go there if they do not repent. Uh, and the third secret we know was not supposed to be released until 1960, and it was still held back to a long time, and we really didn't hear it until the year 2000 when it was uh, when it was released at that time and, and at the uh, during the canonization too of the. Uh, uh, of the, or the beatification, I'm sorry, of the children. Um, so th- that's that's basically it. T- took that uh, it, it took an amount of time before before people really heard it. There might have been people here or there that understood it or heard it, but uh, uh, you know, in the United States, but there was uh, uh, nothing on any any great scale at all. Yeah, before. I think when we think of Fatima, one of the kind of the major promoters of the Fatima message. For a long time, they were called the Blue Army, and now they're called the World Apostolate of Fatima. And so they've been kind of the the main promoters, I'd say, uh, in the United States, especially with the approval of the U.S. bishops. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, very much so, yeah. And um, John Hafford wrote, uh, who was the co-founder of it with the Monsignor Colgan, uh, wrote several books, uh, excellent, excellent books on Fatima. Uh, and he, you know, had spoken to Lucia many times, the, uh, Sister Lucia, who was the, the, the visionary that lived. We know, of course, Francisco and Jacinta died in 1918, and they were only children, young children at the time. Yeah. And then we know uh, Lucia lived till she was in her mid-90s, and uh, John Hafford, the co-founder, uh, again got first-hand information. So you'll find that in his books. Yeah, which you could find actually. For, oh, I'm sorry, you could for, find them for free on the on the internet, uh, in, in just johnhafford.com or something like that. And and you could read them, many of his books for free on the internet. Well, that's good to know. I'll uh, look some of those up, and I'll be sure to put them in the show notes so that people might be able to find them. You referenced. Jacinta and Francisco and how they died in 1918. And of course, they died from the Spanish flu. Now, one of the things that Our Lady told the children was that they had to pray many rosaries in order to go to heaven, but that they would go to heaven really soon. So they already knew, talk about memento mori, they already knew that they were going to die. And so they lived their lives in expectation of that unification with Our Lady of being there in heaven, adoring the Lord. And, uh, you know, they died during that pandemic of the Spanish flu. And right now we find ourselves in such an interesting time with uh, the, the coronavirus. And right now masses have been suspended all throughout the country and people haven't been going to mass in person. They've had to go through live stream masses, watch it on EWTN, listen to it on the radio or whatever. And I think there's really going to be a hunger for the Eucharist as we come out of the pandemic. But there's a very special message, I think, in Fatima that relates to the Eucharist. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Oh, yes, yes. And and following I agree with you 100% about that. Um, Hunger for the Eucharist people are going to have now that we're really... uh, uh, really being deprived of it, and, and uh, 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 as Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, as Cardinal Ratzinger said, sometimes it's, there's a need for a spiritual and physical hunger like that deprivation. 
But uh, Fatima had had uh, uh, great Eucharistic messages. We could start kind of kind of uh, at the end, uh, which is um, um, Francisco. Uh, when he died, Francisco um, was, just made his first Holy Communion the day before he died uh, from the from the flu. Uh, the children in those. You know, they made their uh, communions a little later. They didn't do them at seven, eight years old. They made them a little bit later. Except Lucia, who made her communion when she was six years old, because she was so the, she amazed the priest with her catechetical knowledge. It was just just uh, unbelievable. They said so. So she was a real super exception from the moment you know from her, her, her very early childhood. But Francisco made his first communion on the uh, on the first Holy Communion on the day before he uh, he died, uh, and. Uh, he said uh, his big thing was that he was very quiet, uh, as opposed to the others, and he spent most of his time after the apparitions in church, and he, he called Jesus at the tabernacle the hidden Jesus. And uh, he wanted to spend his time with the hidden Jesus, praying for conversions, uh, sinners, and especially, first of all, consoling Jesus. He wanted to console the heart of Jesus because of all the sin that was going on and the lack of conversions and so on. So that was the big thing with with uh, uh, with uh, Francisco, um, and and for Lucia, uh, for um, um, uh, uh, Jacinta, Jacinta um, never received the first Holy Communion. Now, now there's a little footnote to this, which I'll get into in a second, but she died. Uh, uh, longing to receive her first Holy Communion and never did. She's all, oh, I wish I could receive it. I hope to have Holy Communion in heaven. I'll receive it every day. Uh, but as, when Lucia visited her in the hospital and brought her a picture of Jesus, uh, uh, and, and she says, ah, the hidden Jesus. She sometimes called Jesus the hidden Jesus, too, always thinking of the Eucharist, Jesus and the Eucharist. They knew what the Eucharist was, you know, because, but again, the, it was the, the age, you know, at that particular time, and and uh, uh, she had to wait. Um, but the two children, to show the importance of the Eucharist, so they always longed for it. They they kind of um, uh, they kind of missed it, if you want to say. And showing what we're going through, we could kind of uh, we can we can look back at their experience and and think of you know how we're missing the Eucharist now. But then they re- did both received communion. They drank not hosts, but from the chalice. When in 1916. Uh, the angel of peace appeared to them three times, uh, and this was to prepare them for our Blessed Mother's appearance the following year uh, later. And uh, when the angel of peace appeared to them, uh, he had, the first time, he had a chalice and a host He was uh, above the chalice he was holding. And then he left the chalice and the host suspended in the air, uh, and then he um, uh, knelt down and he had them repeat a prayer three times, uh, the Fatima prayers three times, about uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, adoring Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and, then he, um, and then he gave the host to Lucia, and he gave the chalice uh, to Jacinta and Francisco to drink from. And uh, so uh, when he uh, left his chalice and host suspended in the air, he knelt down and he said, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly, and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrageous, sacrilegious, and indifference by which he himself is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the Macal heart of Mary, I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. Uh, now, 
when he uh, when he uh, uh, did that, or he, you know, we we look at what he uh, said there, and and maybe uh, I think of you know some of this today. Now this is my own take. Okay, I did see somebody else say it to the priest uh, uh, elsewhere that look at the outrages and sacrileges and differences by which, you know, Jesus is offended today, and maybe this fast is related to that Eucharistic fast to a degree, because only 31% of Catholics believe in the real body and real blood of Christ. And here, already back then, you know, heaven foresaw what was going to happen, and our Blessed Mother was trying to not just stall that, but to correct that uh, by bringing in this uh, the Eucharistic uh, uh, messages, you know, in Fatima at that particular time. So um, uh, uh, that so very very important. And then of course the five first Saturdays, uh, the Blessed Mother uh, taught after that we that she wanted to uh, to be done, receiving Holy Communion, confessing our sins, receiving Holy Communion. That was a major part of it, along with the Rosary. So, so the Eucharist is uh, is uh, woven throughout the Fatima message. In fact, on May thirteenth, when our Blessed Mother appeared in Fatima, the first time she appeared, May thirteenth, that was traditionally the feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament, yes. paraded in many places. So, so right there, she she is. You know, heaven doesn't do these things coincidentally. Say, oh my goodness, look what we just done. <laughs> they, this is all super planned by heaven. You know, there's nothing coincidental with heaven. That, as we know. You know, you talked about Francisco receiving his first Holy Communion the day before he died, and that's something that I didn't know, so that's really amazing uh, to know. But it really calls to mind what Mother Teresa said, to receive Holy Communion as this as if this was your first Holy Communion, your last Holy Communion, your only Holy Communion. And uh, for Francisco, that truly was uh, the day of his mm-hmm. first communion before he died. I was really blessed back in February to be back at EWTN and to be on EWTN Live with Father Mitch. And uh, I preached, actually, on the feast of uh, blessed. Are they blessed still or are they saints? St. Francisco and St. Jacinta. Uh, so I, I was able to preach on their feast day and... I remember during the centennial year of Fatima, which was in 2017, that I was very moved. I read a book by Gene Hyman, or Heinemann, um, that Tan Books had put out. And, it, and as she told the story of Francisco and Jacinta, they really made a, uh, an impression on me, their small little sacrifices, how they would do special things for others. And, um, you know, truly their life was a fruit of the apparition, just as your book is The Fruits of Fatima, a century of signs and wonders. And their their story is one that can really touch us, I think. So, uh, especially as you shared about the Eucharist, there's a big movement right now in the church. Uh, it was really sparked, ignited by Father Donald Calloway of consecration to St. Joseph. In Fatima, Mary talks about consecration to the Immaculate Heart, wanting Russia to be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, wanting the whole, wanting all of us to be consecrated. Now, Father Calloway, who is a Marian of the Immaculate Conception, is promoting consecration to Saint Joseph, and so he like he likes to call it the Year of Joseph right now. And uh, some bishops, my bishop from the Diocese of Green Bay, has called for a year of St. Joseph, of increased devotion to St. Joseph. So St. Joseph is really getting a lot of attention right now in the church. And I guess 
I know that there's this this connection to Fatima and Joseph. Could you share a little more about that? Oh yes, I can. I can. And here I am plugging other people's books, right? <laughs> But you've got to read, I, I strongly, strongly recommend to people, uh, obviously read my book, uh, but but especially read that uh, Father Calloway's book, uh, Consecration to St. Joseph. It is magnificent. It's something we should do. Uh, St. Joseph has been in, forgotten so long, and, and uh, the Blessed Mother didn't want that either at Fatima. Um, St. Joseph at, uh, appeared at Fatima in the last apparition. After the miracle of the sun, we had... Uh, Our Lady appeared in three titles. One, Our Lady of the Rosary, which she actually identified herself as Our Lady of the Rosary. That's the title she wanted there. And she appeared with the, with the, uh, uh, with St. Joseph and who was holding the child Jesus. And they wound up blessing the world, both of them together, St. Joseph and the child Jesus. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, St. Joseph was quiet, didn't say anything. But obviously this was a great message. That was being given to us. We had the Holy Family over here together, uh, seen together, and in, in you know the silence in the sense speaks very very eloquently uh, uh, elo- eloquently to us over here. Uh, just think about that. First of all, um, Saint Joseph. Who, who, who did he spend all his time with? Jesus and Mary. So so it's a lesson for us. Follow Saint Joseph. Spend time with Jesus and Mary. Okay, and and just think, he must have been really something uh, if God chose him as the father of the family. Now, that's another thing, because a a Monsignor, and I mentioned this, a Monsignor Joseph uh, Serencione wrote a a wonderful book called, a little booklet called Joseph Fadiman Fatherhood, and he talked about this miracle of the son being, you know, all the attacks on fatherhood and the family during the latter half of the 20th century. And uh, and it increased. We know that. We know that every place you turn and look, the father is denigrated. Uh, uh, the family is uh, is been broken and and chopped up in many ways. Uh, and and it's uh, it's always the father that that gets is made fun of or gets kicked out. And Saint Joseph, he says, uh, we didn't heed the message of Fatima because uh, because human fatherhood is a reflection of the fatherhood of God. Uh, Monsignor Serencioni. Um, uh, brought out, and and it's designed to be the pillar of the family. In fact, one of St. Joseph's titles is Pillar of the Family. So when we've uh, uh, let the esteem for fatherhood disappear, uh, then that pillar collapses, and then we've got disintegration of the family, and then we forget the fatherhood of God. And we know that. It's, it's, there was, there was uh, people who would, who would try to say, um, uh, Christianity is a per- paternalistic religion. You know, they get rid of the fatherhood uh, uh, in, in uh, Christianity. And there's been that radical uh, try, too. But St. Joseph tells us, yeah, I can't do that. So that's one of the things he does. Uh, another thing uh, to keep in mind, and this, this refers back to John Hafford again, believe it or not. John Hafford said, he came up with, with a great uh, insight, I thought, when he said, the Blessed Mother also appeared as Our Lady of Mount Carmel at Fatima uh, at the, on the 13th. That was another one of her titles that she appeared under. And silently she didn't say, but what's that? Scapular. We need the brown scapular. Uh, she, it, the brown scapular is one of her great devotions, her uh, great uh, um, uh, sacramentals, uh, and with the promises connected with it. Lucia, in a in an interview back in the late 40s, early 50s, uh, with a couple of, of Carmelite priests, uh, uh, important in their order, uh, said that the, they were asked about the scapular, and she said, 
twice. The scapular and the rosary are inseparable. So we need that scapular. Now, what, back to John Hafford. John Hafford said, the scapular is a sign of the Blessed Mother were being adopted as Blessed Mother's adopted children. Now, if one parent, he said, adopts you, the other parent does too. So immediately we can consider ourselves adopted children of St. Joseph too. If we wear the scapular, devoted to our Blessed Mother scapular, Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Fatima, listen to what she does, of what she says and asks. Uh, not only are we uh, her adopted children, and we're adopted sons of God through Jesus, uh, and we're adopted children of St. Joseph too. And that's why we should be greatly devoted to him, especially at this time. You know, he's uh, that terror of demons he is too. Pillar of families, uh, uh, terror of demons, and, and that's what, uh, if you want to say, is going on now. And even the attacks on the church now, the closures of the churches, in, in a sense, is that, uh, is that kind of an attack. And we need, we need St. Joseph desperately at this time. Turn to him every day. As you mentioned, uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, I've also heard it said that because Sister Lucia went on to be a nun, she joined the DeLorean Sisters, and so that's why Our Lady appeared as Our Lady of Sorrows, but then she appears as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Eventually, Sister Lucia joins a Carmelite convent in Coimbra in in Portugal, and so I've also heard that, but I really like your reflection about uh, being children of Mary by wearing the scapular and then by extension, then, uh, the children of St. Joseph. So today we've been talking to Joseph Pronishin about his book, The Fruits of Fatima, A Century of Signs and Wonders. The Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, the beginning of the apparitions, is tomorrow, May 13th. And maybe just a final question, one that's always an interesting question to ask authors. What inspired you to write this book? Of course, other people have written books on Fatima. Why another book? Um, I thought it, 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 I was inspired, I guess, during the uh, 100th anniversary of Fatima. Uh, and uh, I, uh, for a number of reasons, um, I was doing some articles on Fatima for the 100th anniversary for the Register, National Catholic Register. Uh, and and uh, I thought to myself at that time, you know, um, as I delved into Fatima more and more again, I said, there are a number of things that are interesting about Fatima, very interesting, and, and support the message and can actually inspire people and, and kind of goad them on to listen to the message of Fatima uh, if, if they're brought out. Now, they would be scattered here, there, a few things, and never really uh, focused on. And uh, I thought if I brought them all together, uh, again, that would be a great inspiration. And, and basically, that, the basic goal was to inspire people remind them about Fatima again, and not just say, okay, we're celebrating a 100th anniversary. But I thought back so many times to the, the idea cause I, uh, of, of, you know, people just aren't listening. They haven't listened to the message in, in great, great numbers. And when they have and prayed the rosary uh, uh, in, in great numbers, look what happened. We had the Battle of Lepanto. We had uh, uh, the um, uh, communists kicked out of, uh, or just picked up and left out of uh, uh, Austria. Uh, back in in the twentieth century, uh, after uh, after a great number of people were praying the Rosary for that to the Blessed Mother, and so so um, you know the, 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 these lessons are fresh in our minds. The way the world is going, we we still should be turning to Fatima, and uh, that's what uh, really inspired me. It, and you know, let's get going. We we were relaxed, didn't pick up that message for a long time. Most people didn't, but but. 
if you kind of hear some of these unusual things about Fatima, you'll see it's true. You'll see it's necessary. And, uh, uh, and we can still turn things around if we listen to the Blessed Mother. Yes. So she says, I'm the only one that peace. The peace is in her hands. God put it in her hands. <clears throat> and, and we know it goes right back to Genesis 2 because it's a woman that crushes the head of the serpent. And we know who that woman is. She's identified in Revelation, the, 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 last, cha- uh, the, last, uh, um, the last verse in chapter 11, the, as the Ark of the New Covenant. She, she's the Ark in heaven. And 12.1, the woman with the crown of stars around her head and, and, and so on. And I really think uh, that the rosary will be the solution uh, to the coronavirus of turning to the Blessed Mother. Of course, some have said, you know, the very name Corona, it means crown. And so every time we pray the rosary, it's as if we're crowning the Blessed Mother. But but really, if we respond to that message of Fatima, to pray the rosary every day, to look at it and say, why is it I don't pray a rosary? What can I do to pray the rosary? Why don't I listen to the request of my mother? It'd be like our moms asking us to do something, uh, you mm-hmm. know, maybe to help them to pay their bills or whatever, and then we just don't do that. And so then their bills go past due and whatnot. And so, but eventually we help them and then they get caught up. So why do we keep ignoring the message of Mary? So the rosary is a very important prayer and encourage everybody to begin to live the message of Fatima so then that they might experience the fruits of Fatima. And that's the title of Joseph Pronishin's book, The Fruits of Fatima, Century of Signs and Wonders. Before I let you go, Joe, I'd like to ask a few different questions about uh, your Marian profile. So just a series of questions to help people realize that Marian devotion is not a cookie-cutter thing, that it looks different, and lots of people have different experiences and expressions of that devotion. Mm -hmm. So your favorite title for the Blessed Mother... Oh, this is tough to pin me down to this. I'm going to have to throw a few titles. She's a woman of many names. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, obviously, the Blessed Mother or the Blessed Virgin Mary are, are right on top there. And then, then after that uh, is Our Lady of the Rosary. I, I obviously devote Our Lady to the Rosary. Then, then we have our, uh, I, I love our Mother of Perpetual Help. She's always out there to help us. Uh, the Immaculate Conception. Uh, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, and Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And, and I'll stop w- with that list, but those are my top in order, those I would say. Those are top titles. Wonderful. And so we talked a little bit about some of the sacramentals of Our Lady. The Rosary is a sacramental. You mentioned the scapular. Do you have mm-hmm. a favorite sacramental of the Blessed Mother? Well, I, I, I have three. So you just mentioned the, the, the first two were the, brown, the Rosary and the Brown Scapular, and then the third one is the Miraculous Medal. Sure. And all of them are very efficacious ways that God gives us grace. We know the miraculous medal uh, is uh, is called miraculous because it obtained miracles in the lives of those who wore it. Um, a favorite Marian prayer, of course, the Hail Mary is the most popular one, but so many other prayers to the Blessed Mother. Is there a favorite prayer you have? Uh, next to the rosary, it's the memorare. Uh, love, love the memorare. And especially the, as, as Mother, as uh, St. Uh, Teresa of Calcutta uh, said, the Flying Novena, which oh are goodness. nine memorares in a row for a particular intention. When she didn't have time for nine days, she did nine memorares in a row and immediately a tenth one in Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, miracles for her appeared <laughs> right away. But I love the memorare. That, that, there's a running joke in this podcast, How They Love Mary, that 
inevitably the Memorari and Mother Teresa's flying novena will always be referenced in every episode. And, and uh, it's just true. It's so popular. And th- thanks to Mother Teresa, so many people uh, do pray the Memorari. Some wow, people- wonderful. Uh, some people find the rosary, you know, difficult. Uh, they find it monotonous. Uh, maybe they don't know really how to pray the rosary. Is there any tip that you can offer to help someone pray the rosary better? Um, yeah, I can give them two tips. One, one I, uh, is, is, that's good is you should have a few holy pictures in your house, pictures of Mary and all the, uh, and, and, and obviously pictures of Mary. Maybe you get, you get a few pictures of such the Annunciation and all, but if you have several little pictures of, of Mary or you have holy cards put out, have some pictures on the wall and all, some holy pictures, if you, if you move from picture to picture, uh, you know, and just keep circling, looking at the picture as you're saying the Hail Mary, that helps you to keep focus. And you're, it's as if you're talking right to the Blessed Mother, saying it right to her. So if you do that, or uh, that, that's, that's uh, one good tip, uh, I would think that would help. Uh, another is uh, uh, if, you could take, uh, if you could think about, just say a little, just a tiny bit, try to remember the story. When you say um, 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 the Hail Mary, when you're doing the, the first joyful mystery, let's say, the Annunciation, um, you know, uh, the angel of Gabriel appeared to Mary, and then do your Hail Mary. And he said, Hail Mary, and then do your Hail Mary. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and then do the Hail Mary. So and just keep going like that. The little phrase, that will help you f- keep focused on the mystery. Those, those, those are two, you know, I, I won't burn everything anymore, but those are two really good ones right, to start with. We find Mary in the pages of sacred scripture. There's lots of different prophecies of Mary in the Old Testament. There's the New Testament accounts where she's present. Is there a favorite passage about the Blessed Mother in the Bible that you like? Uh, well, the, the favorite the favorite passages are uh, that the top two right away are um, the Magnificat. I love uh, uh, the, uh, when she she's visiting Elizabeth and pray and and praise the Magnificat. And if you just you know, it's 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 such a great summary of she knew the Old Testament obviously <laughs> inside and out because uh, it refers to all you know what what the uh, the the, uh, the fulfillment of of what was promised by God and then and then I love uh, her reactions uh, at the wedding of Cana uh, so those those are my uh, those are the two top ones right there and uh, you know and, uh, not even you know not considering even the ones from the book of Esther and the book of Judith and so on sure. uh, that refer to her but. Um, but those two I love, the Magnificat and her reactions at Canaan, what she tells us at Canaan. And I could just picture her, you know, and, you know pointing to Jesus and, and bringing the, you know, calling the waiters over, motioning them over, and, and pointing to Jesus and saying, you know, well, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> and how is Jesus going to say no to his mother, right? <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah. you know, this might be a silly question given the topic of your book, The Fruits of Fatima, but your favorite Marian apparition Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, would, I, I guess I have to say Fatima, you know, in, in the case of the book. I, I love the, the apparition of Fatima. You know, I, I, I like, um, I like uh, Lourdes, too. I'm drawn to Lourdes. Uh, I didn't mention it here as one of the favorite titles, but, but especially Fatima and, and uh, Our, Lady of, uh, Our Lady of Lourdes. Over. Oh, and, and, and the Miraculous Medal, when she gave the Miraculous Medal. Sure. So those would be the, the top three that I'm drawn to. 
Yeah, you know, people always expect me to say the champion apparition because I've written so much and reflected so much about it. Um, but oh, often okay. when I'm asked that question, I always say, you know, I really love the story of Lourdes. I love the story of Borang and Bonneau in Belgium. And then I'll say champion as well. So um, sometimes you don't have to default even though what your your expertise is. There are lots of different shrines to the Blessed Mother throughout the United States. Um, some of them are uh, or in the United States. There's only one dedicated to a Marian apparition. But there are so many devotional shrines to Mary for her titles like Perpetual Help or Help of Christians, Our Lady of Consolation. Is there a Marian shrine that you've been to that's made an impression on you? Uh, yes. One of the ones that made a great impression was the... Uh, Marian Shrine uh, to Our Lady of Perpetual Help up in um, Boston, Massachusetts, at the uh, uh, Our Lady of Perpetual Help uh, Church up there. The Redemptorists uh, okay. uh, are in charge of that and run that. It's magnificent, beautiful, and uh, uh, if you're up in that area, make sure you, you get to see it. It's not directly in the city, but it's about a mile and a half outside of downtown. Okay, and is there a book about the Blessed Mother that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, and I would recommend Father Calloway has two wonderful books on the Blessed Mother. One is called Champions of the Rosary, and the other is called Under the Mantle. And Father Donald Calloway, who did the St. Joseph book, wrote both of those. Uh, uh, and I would recommend those, uh, those highly. If you want to learn more about the Rosary... And uh, uh, then, then Champions of the Rosary and Under the Mantle tells us many, many wonderful things about the Blessed Mother. and It'll really inspire us, that particular book. And then lastly, when you go to Mass on a Marian feast day, like the Immaculate Conception or Mother of God Assumption, we always sing Marian songs. Is there a Marian hymn that you always hope you might hear at Mass that, on those days? Oh, well, I'd like to Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. I don't have a voice to sing. I sure. got two notes that fit. So, like, so, so <laughs> the Immaculate Mary, or um, there's that song for Fatima that goes that same way. So uh, I'd like to thank you so much, Joseph Pronishan, for joining me today to talk about your book, The Fruits of Fatima, A Century of Signs and Wonders, available from Sophia Institute Press. If people want to learn more about you or to find your writings, how can they do that? The uh, best place to go is to... Uh, register and that's uh, n-c-r-e-g-i-s-t-e-r dot com so it's n-c-r-e-g-i-s-t-e-r dot com uh, and you'll find me there you'll find my articles you'll find me listed uh, I'll be on the blog side too uh, along with regular articles you'll find me in the print edition uh, and uh, coming in the near future on Twitter well, that's great. I'll look forward to following you on Twitter. And, you know, uh, I we were talking before we started recording that I was really impressed that one day I saw this National Catholic Register article about my book, A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary, and someone had reviewed it, and it happened to be you. And we had worked together on a few different uh, National Catholic Register pieces in the past. And so it was a, a pleasant surprise uh, to see that article on the blog, and maybe it was in print as well. So, so thank you for writing that, and thank you for all you do for um, spreading the Catholic faith and devotion to Our Lady through her apparition in Fatima. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Father. Happy to do that. And I'll ask the, the uh, listeners, I'd appreciate if you prayed one Hail Mary for me so that I could continue um, promoting our Blessed Mother and doing things for the Catholic faith uh, for our Lord. Uh, well, that's great. It, it, well, maybe we can oh, pray right. a Hail Mary together right now uh, for Wonderful. that intention. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, yeah, the we, Lord is we, with thee. Lord. Blessed Lord. art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Peace. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It was great talking with you, Joseph Pronishen, and you've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the handle at FR Edward Looney, L-O-O-N-E-Y. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, please leave a review so that others might find it also on whatever platform you're listening on. Until next week, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.